You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. The COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the way we conduct business today and will influence the way we conduct business in the future. What has changed and how can we work to be better prepared? On this episode of Market Points, we present key highlights from a recent webcast hosted by Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets, talking treasury, funding, risk management, and digital solutions in a post-pandemic world. Designed for corporate treasurers, but pertinent to everyone navigating the current and future business environment, the cross-disciplinary panel of Scotiabank leaders share their experiences and views on relevant topics, from trade to foreign exchange to investment themes to digital opportunities. And it has become crystal clear how digital capability plays into business success. Here's Adam Swidimer, Vice President of Customer Experience and Digital Channels on the Global Business Payments team, discussing digital opportunities. If you look at digitization and, and opportunities there for, for really any business, um, it's on a couple of things that I think we're seeing emerge and, and accelerate. I don't think they're new trends, I just think they're accelerating. And so you know, automation of workflows, right? If you think about fully virtual, whether that's, you know, digitizing, you know, paperwork um, or, you know, the end-to-end workflow itself, um, looking at highly manual, repeatable processes that through robotics you can, you know, unlock efficiencies when we all have to do more with us. Certainly automation is, is a huge digital opportunity there. And as you digitize those things, you have greater access to data. And so the more access you have to data um, and, and really how do you harness that data and turn it into insights, I mean, just the opportunities there, whether it's more information about my cash flow, the ability to be more predictive or proactive instead of reactive, right? The access to more real-time information um, and a greater uh, range of information to help with reconciliation. Certainly, you know, data and insights uh, obviously is just going to continue to grow in, in importance. Um, I think the, the other thing that we're seeing is, you know, as we all move more to digital, ID management authentication, verification protocols, you know, those things are, are going to continue to become critical, um, you know, whether that's biometrics, et cetera. So, you know, another uh, simple example for those, for those of you that are using a cash management platform, you know, you've got that, you know, that key ring fob, you know, one-time password that you physically carry around. And, and you know, we've, we launched a digital version of that, um, which, you know, has the same level of security as the physical token, but also leverages the innate security that's in your mobile device. You always have your mobile device with you. It's probably biometrically protected uh, or pin protected. And so things like that that allow us to, you know, face ID you as an example, depending on the device you have. So ID management and verification for sure is going to continue. And then I think what comes also with that, especially back to digital readiness, is, you know, ensuring that, you know, businesses and their employees are well-versed on, you know, fraud prevention, um, you know, best practices, you know, understanding, uh, you know, the role of cybersecurity um, as they move to more digital ways of managing their business. So those are the things that certainly, uh, you know, we stay focused on and we see as opportunities for us and, and for our clients. For firms engaged in trade, in addition to digitalization challenges, border disruptions have raised issues around supplier diversification, while overall business uncertainty has underscored the need for liquidity and transactions to effectively manage working capital. VP of Trade Finance, Diane Carenza, explains the trends. What we're hearing in the conversations, we've gone from that crisis phase to 
Uh, I had this conversation with a, a client last week is, okay, you know what, let's look at we're two and a half years out. Now, what are we saying to ourselves, you know, when we, when we look back at July 2020, you know, what, what transpired? And there were really two overarching things. So one was diversification of relationships of supply chain. So there's like a number of businesses have traditionally dealt with certain markets. You know, the various governments around the world, including the Canadian governments, have done incredible jobs of creating these bilateral or multilateral trade agreements. And again, speaking from a, you know, Canadian-centric uh, bank with our head office here and a Canadian-centric client base, we tend to look, you know, to the, the, the easiest way to deal, and that's to our, you know, to our colleagues and to the businesses just south of the border. So we're now forcing, we've been forced to look abroad and not that there's anything wrong with the, the customers or suppliers that we have, but it's that reliance. What was became what was a trend up until probably March of this year was you know what let's go with the lowest cost provider I'm going to negotiate this transaction this supplier this client whatever whichever side of the table you are on down to the penny to get the best price and just in time low inventory and all of those things and bang I'm going to sign that contract and it's gonna, you know what. Things got stuck. Right now, we, you know, to go across the north-south border by truck or whatever, or whatever is really challenging, right? It's essential goods, essential workers. So, you just using that as an example. So that's now looking. Businesses are now looking for. Okay, you know what? This component I can source from here and here and maybe here. And you know what? That I'm not going to spread myself too thin either because that doesn't make sense. So help, they're coming to us to have conversations about, okay, can you help us in those markets and what are the things I have to be on the lookout for? So that's probably one of the, you know, one of the biggest things. And the second piece is really about the, you know, the supply chain financing part of the solution set that, uh, that we work on and that we bring to customers is really about cash flow. Right? It's really about bringing in the money faster so that you have that cash on hand and can deploy it in any way you want and, and, and effectively be a better, you know, better manager with your working capital. And that's, you know, a treasurer's number one concern. So what we're seeing there is this, we saw this huge peak of increased utilization of those lines where people wanted, but it was all about getting cash in hand. They wanted that liquidity to know they were sitting on cash. And in March and April, I think it was more about, okay, we don't know what's going to be. And I have bills to pay. I have employees, the payroll, uh, et cetera, you know, rent, whatever, whatever the commitments, of their financial commitments were, there was so much uncertainty. They just wanted to make sure they had that cash. Now they're taking, they, they saw that they sort of tested the, the, the wheels, if you will, on this, uh, on this solution, saw that it worked really well, um, both in terms of what we were delivering, but it met their needs. And they are now they're thinking a little more opportunistically. And it's now, okay, you know what, now let me continue at the pace that I was to collect in and, and sell off those receivables so I have the cash on hand. But it's now because I want to be a little more opportunistic. I want to be ready because, again, looking forward, there's going to be opportunities in the market. Certain sectors are going to do better than others. So whether it's M&A, you know, whether it's uh, getting into another kind of relationship, they want to have the cash on hand for strategic investment. 
So it's really about sort of diversifying, but also accelerating that working capital flow, getting the cash in hand to be, uh, to be ready. We've learned a lot about readiness as businesses have faced unprecedented volatility and challenges managing global currency exposures. This has changed the way businesses are handling their hedging strategies. Here's Managing Director and Head of Corporate and Retail FX Sales, Ryan O'Keefe. I'd like to highlight maybe two trends that we've seen from clients in terms of how they manage their FX risk management programs. First would be a move towards more of a strategic execution and away from rolling rolling hedges or, or more of a passive program. And we've seen this trend materialize over the last couple of years, but it's definitely continued and even become more pronounced after the volatility settled down after March and April. And what I, what I mean by that is, in the past, we saw a number of corporates would have a rolling hedging program. So they would have 12 months worth of U.S. dollar receivables hedged. As the near-term months came off, they put a new hedge on 12 months from now and just continue to roll that in perpetuity and really take a systematic approach to the execution of their hedging program. Um, but we've definitely seen this trend towards clients being much more opportunistic, taking advantage of opportunities when they get a large move in their favor, hedging larger notional amounts, further out the curve, higher hedge ratios, um, especially when it's relative to their budget rate. And, and for example, when Dollar Canada moved from 133 up to 146 in the latter half of March, we had a number of U.S. dollar sellers come in and hedge multiple years worth of their U.S. dollar receivable exposure and higher hedge ratios and further out the curve than their hedging programs uh, that they would have executed previously. Um, so clients shifting to more to more of a strategic execution of their risk management program, and secondly, incorporating more nonlinear products into their overall um, hedging policy. Um, forward contracts for corporate clients continues to be the anchor product for most, uh, but there's definitely been a trend to introduce some optionality into those programs to complement forward contracts. And what we're hearing from clients, generally speaking, is that they're looking for more flexibility. They still want to have a hedge in place to protect a worst-case scenario, but they also want some flexibility in case the market moves in their favor. So a number of the corporate clients that we're dealing with across industries within Canada are starting to carve out a portion of their FX risk management program uh, for nonlinear strategies. And that's a trend I think that's going to continue as we move forward as well. On the webcast, Marta Cano, a managing director in Global Equity Derivatives, noted a big difference when comparing client activity during the COVID-19 crisis versus the 2008 global financial crisis. And that difference was optimism. Clients have been actively looking for opportunity, and she shared some insight into key investment themes driving client demand. What we see as themes for our products and our products being um, linked to underlying um, assets, and so we, we can have you know, something global like a Eurostox 50 linked structure node or as S&P 500 index linked structure node, and those certainly are very popular products. But then you start seeing a trend of customized baskets with themes. And so we saw four very specific themes. We saw emerging technologies um, and, and everything related to technology and data. And I even saw a request coming by Ashley from a uh, Latin American client looking for data um, 
data servers, I guess, in, in direction to data reads. So not reads in general, but, you know, the infrastructure that is going to have to be created to support the digital transformation that the world is going through. I thought it was brilliant. And it's something that is starting. I haven't seen a no link to that. And so there's no liquidity yet in, in, in that space. And so we're trying to to figure out how to create it. Um, so that was the first one we saw. We saw renewable energy and ESG continues to be a very important trend when there's volatility in the market as a theme for investment and healthcare, because obviously this all is surrounded in this time, this crisis is around healthcare. So those are the four themes that, that, that tend to um, come up with, with intentions for people to try to invest in addition to you know more traditional structures, as I said. And um, I guess, in terms of, of practices and, and something that we're seeing too is a more connected and global approach. So my clients in Chile want to know what the Peruvians are doing and the Mexicans want to see what the pipeline is in, in Canada and, and everybody wants to see what the U.S. is issuing because we're all somehow together. It's weird that we're all apart. We can't be near each other, but yet we're all a click apart and it's created all these frequent communications and frequent meetings and frequent everything that right now we're almost all together 24-7, which is very exciting and demanding, but at the same time creating a lot of opportunity for, for businesses and clients. You've been listening to key highlights from the Talking Treasury webcast. This event was brought to you by the Scotiabank Women Initiative for Global Banking and Markets. You can find information about the initiative as well as more thought-leading content from Scotiabank on our website at gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. Thanks for listening.